Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. And if you are truly out in the wilderness tonight, the real backcountry, one thing you can't help but notice is that every sound is correct. For its place and time. The choruses of coyotes are never out of place, never out of tune. The owl hooting, the wind or lack thereof. The fire crackling, the sound of the creek gurgling around the little bend where maybe you caught a trout the afternoon prior. Or the tides of the sea. Or the little waves of a lake, if that's what's nearby. The sounds of Earth are one and only home, no matter what lies the aerospace hucksters tell you every couple of years. They make their trillions from constant war and the global police state, and it will always be so. Until one day not very far from now, when all of a sudden, it's not so. As the night gives way to the growing light on the eastern horizon, you may be lucky to hear the dawn chorus. The voices of the songbirds rising up loudest in springtime, but always strong when the day will be sunny. Biologists down in Australia have even recorded fish singing a dawn chorus. We've been saying good morning for hundreds of millions of years, turns out ever optimistic. For some of us, it's not enough to visit some crowded national park full of bozos who can't drive or to engage in some hideous online competition to reserve a campsite in the high sierra maybe eight months from now and staying in some shoddy overpriced charmless stucco spec house from a few housing booms back well that does not exactly get you back to the land even if The owners have since renamed the place Desert Boogie Cabin or whatever. Whatever's not already taken on Instagram and the rental platforms. Don't forget to do a few hours of house cleaning before you leave unless you want to be charged hundreds of dollars more. Oh yeah, and you still have to pay the housekeeping fee either way. And the Airbnb fee and the county taxes for the crooks down the hill in San Bernardino. Don't forget them. And make sure to log out of Netflix or whatever on the mile-wide TV that is the main feature of every so-called wilderness retreat out here. Because if you don't log out, you're going to find your movie recommendations 
and all filled up with the most sadistic visual representations of mass murder. Because that's what the meekest adult generation in American history loves to watch. Graphic, bloody, bonesaw murders of beautiful young actresses again and again. Usually following a pornographic scene. I wonder what's going on there psychologically. Nothing good. For some of us, the only peace of mind comes in absolute solitude and those still numerous places where the calamitous noise of our civilization is mostly kept at bay. Ask anybody who completed a long hike like the PCT up the western spine of America. Ask them what they loved most. They probably won't say the ravens laughing at them all the time, but... We learn to be good sports. What makes a long through hike such an unforgettable time is the solitude, they will often say, the quiet. Not the absence of sound, that's rarely what anyone means, but the absence of the sounds of civilization. That awful, unending racket. Machines and advertising and the sirens night and day. Helicopters, air conditioners, the maddening and desperate beeps and blurts burping out of every piece of garbage device. Little sounds that are shrill and urgent. That's why the bicyclist from the city had to die. The one found with his mountain bicycle wrapped entirely around his throat. You see, he had battery-powered speakers mounted on the front of this stupid child's bicycle that he paid $1,000 for. And these speakers were playing some kind of twee pop music at full volume on God's Holy Road, a dirt trail through a national forest. Of course, I didn't kill him. I simply willed it to happen, which is still legal for now. Technically, a bear ate most of him. And the great bear's willpower is much stronger than the willpower of any mere mortal. The bicycle was just collateral damage, like crinkling the tinfoil around a street taco. Smashed up that Bluetooth handlebar speaker real good, too. Always smash Bluetooth speakers. That's one of the rules of the woods. There's an old saying about bears, and your recommended course of action should you encounter an angry or hungry bear in the wild. It goes like this. Brown bear, run. Black bear, fight. White bear, 
say good night. And then there are those who just cannot get by with the paltry week or maybe two weeks of vacation in nature or the occasional disappearance for a three-month hike or fishing trip or cross-ocean sailing journey or year-long snowshoe and ski expedition over Greenland or whatever. It's just not enough. Especially in the reduced circumstances of Western civilization today, really all the world civilizations, they're all... Well, I'm, I'm looking at this report here from the paper and it says they're all garbage. Nothing to recommend. Japan has held on to more of its soul than most societies, that's true. There's nearly always a Shinto nature temple or beautiful forest within range. Scandinavia has somehow worked out a culture of nature and sauna and long holidays into the reality of their corporate commerce world. That's also true. There may be another couple of examples. Feel free to not write in with those, but mostly look-alike garbage all around the world. Sounds bad, looks worse. Police and thieves. America, being the newer civilization, has served as template for all that's wrong with modern society, and it has never done a very good job of making life pleasant or peaceful for its non-plutocrat masses. Beyond the short burst of beautiful civic parks and then national wilderness parks that blossomed in cities and countryside from about 1858 through the New Deal, I mean the divinely inspired work of Frederick Law Olmsted, John Muir, Minerva Hamilton Hoyt, and their ilk. So, from the earliest days of European colonization, both white and black frequently escaped to join the Indians. From the failed Roanoke colony, which was founded and poorly governed by my ambitious ancestor, Ralph Lane, to Jamestown and the puritanical outpost of New England. One of the first things many new Americans did was run to the wilderness, where the lucky ones were adopted into Indian tribes and their easy living villages. Eventually, the American government and its military did away with the wild Indians themselves. With the bonus of cutting off white and black Americans from their only alternative society. And so the habit of becoming a hermit became a particular American passion. For the outcasts and the oddballs, hermits had become a fad in Egypt of the early Christian era. But 
that only came with the nature and body-hating Christian fanaticism of the Desert Fathers. This was not the American way. American hermits had a very different intent when the hermit life took root here a thousand years later. And this hermit habit has persisted throughout the four-plus centuries of North American colonization and up to the present day, including such storied American names as Henry David Thoreau, Huckleberry Finn, Georgia O'Keeffe, Marta Beckett, Ted Kaczynski. Conventional religious beliefs are few and far between with such people. It's not what the wilderness hermit is looking for. A rule book. They are people who've seen through the hollow promises and threats of monotheism. The western mountains and deserts of minimal interest to farmers and limited interest to everybody else beyond mining capitalists, loggers, and the mostly unpeopled open range of cattle ranchers have long attracted the kind of people we call hermits. For a while now, I've been collecting their stories from books and newspaper clippings and tonight I'm going to read a few of the latter to inspire you. Should the hermit's life be your calling? This comes from the Reno Gazette in 19 and 18. Man missing 25 years is found by daughter as hermit of desert. Al Donahue, located at Antelope, through Nevada Cattleman. But Donahue won't return to old Grass Valley home. Al Donahue, desert hermit of Antelope, abandoned mining camp of Nye County, who dropped out of sight of his family a quarter of a century ago during the goldfield boom, has been located by his daughter through the offices of Ira Murdoch. For years, the manager of the Goldfield office of the United Cattle Company, and now located in Sacramento. Well, that's a run-on sentence that needs an editor. <sighs> Confused pronouns did not start in this decade. Uh, but he... This would be Al Donahue, refuses to leave the desert. The daughter is Mrs. Delano Wilson. Women didn't have their first names in the paper this time a century ago. I should have rewritten this whole article. Who would know? You would not know. You're not going to look it up. It's a radio, it's a podcast, it's background noise. She's a telephone operator and a hotel senator in Sacramento. And Murdoch has made his home there. Where? The hotel senator in Sacramento? No. It's the abandoned mining camp in Nye County, Nevada. 
When I read these things and collect these things, I edit them in my mind as I read them. I had to read the Harry Potter books to my sons when they were young decades ago. And when they went back to read the books themselves, they were surprised because they were so much better. As I edited the terrible books on the fly. Murdoch, who roved the desert in search of wandering beef for many years, said he believed her father might be an aged desert rat he had met a few months ago. He was shown a photograph of the man taken some 27 years ago. Journalism may be the first draft of history, but it could always use a second draft. Mrs. Wilson and her husband arrived in the old camp and a family reunion took place. When the time for parting came, the Wilsons asked the old man to accompany them back to California, offering him a comfortable home at Grass Valley, his birthplace, but he refused, saying he preferred the desert and its solitude. After Donahue left his family and went to southern Nevada, he worked for a time in Goldfield at Mining, then drove cattle for several outfits and prospected during his leisure time. He has spent virtually 10 years in a desert cabin at Antelope and... etc. There will be more visits to the old man, it was said, but it is unlikely if he ever left the desert. Washington Times, July of 1919, Hermit of Desert Dislikes City. Uh, Chose a picture of long-haired, long-bearded William Pester. William Pester, Hermit of Palm Springs, California, recently visited Chicago and quickly decided that city life was not to his liking. The rush and bustle and the congestion and the crowds got so on his nerves that he cut his visit to a few hours inspection of the city. His strange attire, long hair, and beard attracted much attention. Pastor has been roaming the California deserts for many years and is known as the Desert Hermit. He was also known as one of the Nature Boys. Inspiration for the song that Nat King Cole made famous but did not write. And here are a couple of other Taquitz Canyon hermits who were listed in an old Desert Sun article. E.J. Fitzgerald discovered living near the old Taquitz River in 1919. Friends called this Fitzgerald... The Hermit, oh, another creative nickname. The local magazine at the time, The Villager, did a story on him saying he drank a quart of milk a day for lunch, but later changed that to a daily can of beer. He died in 1955 and was buried at the old Wellwood Memorial Cemetery, age unknown. 
Bob Hepburn, Mountain Bob, was the 1990s equivalent of The Hermit. A Desert Sun story in 1996 reported he had been living alone in Topwitz Canyon for 12 years with no modern conveniences. And here's one from 1978 from the Chicago Sun-Times. Activist nun to become hermit in Arizona desert. That's what they did to activist nuns back then. I will lead you into the desert, and there I shall speak to your heart. Those words, first spoken to the prophet Hosea centuries before the birth of Christ, now speak to the condition of Sister Gabrielle Herbers. After years of being in the forefront of the struggle for social justice, the spirited 58-year-old nun will soon become a hermit at the Desert House of Prayer in Cortero, Arizona, 15 miles north of Tucson. As the dove flies, that's a long way. Oh, that's cute. Quote, that's a long way spiritually and geographically from her old office at the Alliance to End Repression in downtown Chicago. And here's one from Gerlach, Nevada. You ever been to Gerlach? If you've been to Pyramid Lake or maybe gone to the Burning Man Festival up there, you've been through Gerlach. Associated Press from 1978. The activity at Ray Duffield's Little Joe Opal Mine is proof people will go to the ends of the earth in search of riches. And this place is the end of the earth. You drive about as far as you can in northern Nevada and take a left. The pile of rocks, that's the mine. The four-room cabin belongs to Duffield and his wife, Marge. Using first names for wives at this point. And they're living their retirement in the kind of solitude you'd expect on a deserted island. It's a hermit-like existence for the Duffields. There's no running water, no telephone, no electricity. Water comes from a nearby desert spring. Ten gallons at a time. Ray charges diggers five bucks a day to poke through the rubble looking for that big find. The most visible wildlife is a buzzard. It is a four-wheeler's paradise. When you look on the horizon of the desert, you expect to see a wagon train led by Ward Bond. Who knows? Lost cultural reference. Once to Gerlach, population maybe 250, you head out into the desert 40 miles to Black Rock Point. The nearest neighbors are in Gerlach. Diggers are advised to make the trek in the spring and summer. When the storms come, vehicles often bog down in the desert lake bed, which must be crossed to get to the mine. Though the lake bed road is pleasant when firm. 
Mountain roads which must be driven are like something out of a television commercial showing how much punishment a tire can take. People from as far away as New York City have visited the Little Joe, but most come from the West. One busy weekend, there were more than 100 diggers probing the rubble. Duffield is a native of Camden, New Jersey. He eventually settled in Nevada's capital, Carson City, where he worked as a state highway designer. Then he went into the desert. Quote, I am a loner. I love it out here. It's a bit more of a problem for my wife, but she is getting to like it. We play chess and cards and listen to the radio. There's always something to do, and we keep busy. Now I dig in the mine every other day. We are coming to town once a week, but that is getting old. Isaacs and across the great Mojave wilderness, you've been listening to Desert Oracle Radio on Friday nights in the Mojave High Desert. You can hear us at 10 p.m. on KCDZ 107.7 FM with a special bonus episode at 10.30. You don't get that on a podcast because you don't know which one I chose for the special bonus episode. As we go into what will surely be a chaotic year in the public realm with various systems collapsing with increasing frequency, remember that Every year comes with plenty of bad news, plenty of strife and misery around the world. Well, that'd be cruel to leave it there, wouldn't it? But you can acknowledge the troubles out there while still appreciating the blessed parts of your own life. Like when people used to say a couple of years ago, well, I had a pretty good pandemic. Those stimulus checks were nice. I may or may not return to the hermit tales I put together for tonight. I always have a couple of extra stories or bits or whatever for the show, but... The time flies. May the new year bring good health and prosperous times to you and your friends and even your family if they deserve it. Probably not your neighbors, though. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your new year weekend in the desert if you're lucky enough to do that. 
and good night from the Voice of the Desert. 